the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm pretty sure this is the only show dedicated to getting you to retirement. I'm pretty sure that I pledge that if you listen, I'll do my best every day to find something to help you get there. Some days I'm going to give you stock ideas. Some days I'm going to give you how to save, how to earn, how to invest better. I'm getting ready to do my first newsletter in 10 years. And I've thought about what sort of content I should put in it. And I think there should be some tech talk. And I think there should be hint tips and tricks. I think it should be short. I think it should be digestible. I think you should throw it away when it's done. If you want to sign up for that, you can go to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com and sign up for it. It's coming later this month or early next month or somewhere in that time frame of the next 30 days. The unfortunate part is it's going to have to be approved by compliance, which always throws a time wrench into things. Yesterday, school in Nashville We saw three children, three adults killed in the United States, 129th mass shooting of this year, which is defined by Gun Violence Archive as an incident where four more people are shot and either injured or killed. 129th time this year. Um, That's crazy. That's upsetting. It's a friend of mine. Her family this weekend got horrible news. A family friend's six-year-old son died in a car crash because the car accidentally flipped and hit a fire hydrant. It's a big story down in San Diego. And um, it'll never make sense, the idea of burying your child. And I can't imagine sending your kid to elementary school. I just don't think we don't want to solve this problem. In Japan, there is something like zero gunshot deaths per year. I'm not saying that's the, the right way to go, but sending your kids to school and bringing them home dead, it's not the right way either. So that's as political as I'm going to get today. The NASDAQ was down one half a percent yesterday. The Dow did well, so value beat growth. S&P was somewhere in between. Bitcoin was down 2.4% to 27,132. I'm surprised how well it's hanging in there, considering considering all the bad headline news. It's worth noting today that the CTO of NVIDIA said, there's nothing practical you do with Bitcoin. It's useless. And yet, there Bitcoin is. So shooting at Nashville Elementary School leaves six dead a private Presbyterian elementary school in Nashville. Six victims have been identified. Nine-year-old kids. Shooter was killed while exchanging fire with police. The shooter who entered the school with at least 
two assault rifles and a handgun, a manifesto and detailed maps. There's confusing confusion regarding the assailant's gender because police initially said the alleged shooter was a woman before saying the shooter was a transgender. Several news outlets reported that the suspect used male pronouns in the recent LinkedIn postings. Um, Israel's kind of upside down right now. I think I said earlier, I think it was yesterday. I said, I don't really understand what's going on in Israel. Sometimes, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. It's important to note my knowledge is an inch deep and mile wide. Benjamin Netanyahu said that he wants to avoid civil war. He will delay his plans to bring the country's judiciary more under the ruling party until after it could be debated during the next parliamentary session. Lots of strikes going on in Europe right now. A lot of strikes. Those are always kind of nutty for me to see. Um, One of the late night comedians last night, and I don't remember which one. I felt it had to be Comedy Central, but uh, they were showing a couple sitting down in Paris. Having a lovely dinner while trash is being burned in the streets, maybe 15 yards from them. And now the French are just trying to go, oh, 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 it's a delicious meal, is it not? And I find that kind of like, God, man, we got to rag on somebody every day, don't we? Here's where I give the French a lot of credit. They take more antidepressants than the United States. That's pretty impressive. I know there's no medal. I know there's no Olympics for taking antidepressants, popping them like Pez candies. But there should be for nations. And I'll be honest, that's not even funny anymore. Mental health isn't funny. But... I'll tell you what, oh, 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 Zimpic is changing the world quickly on how people manage what they call fat and what they call skinny. Not my thing. I'd rather be plump or chubby um, than prick myself with a needle just to say, look, look at me. I'm skinny. Hey, everyone. 25 basis points. The Fed raised interest rates last week, 25 basis points. It's the ninth consecutive interest rate hike, bringing the benchmark yield to 4.75 to 5%. In my Flourish money market account, I'm getting 4.4%, and I feel like that is a bonanza. I feel like a winner in my cash account this year, in my treasuries, in my income portfolio. I'm a winner, winner, chicken dinner. But there's some hints now that Jay Powell might be easing up on his fight against inflation to minimize chaos in the banking sector. So sometime before the next meeting of the Fed, which is late May, excuse me, I believe it's late May, I'm going to be doing a little bit of work on my portfolio, my income portfolio. I want to lock it up. I want to get these higher rates locked because I see maybe one more 25 basis point hike. And I'm not going to be greedy and go, I got to sit, I got to wait for that one. Um, I don't have to hit, you know, uh, at a hundred miles an hour, I can hit at 80. I, I don't have to get that full impact. So this is my time to manage my income portfolio and to leave some cash line around for my growth portfolio. Most businesses dream of shaking hands on a multi-billion dollar deal. 14 billion. I'm buying your company for 14 billion dollars. You would think that's a party, right? Not if you're UBS. UBS bought Credit Suisse when Credit Suisse failed. They offered 3.2 billion to Credit Suisse shareholders, considering the 17.2 billion in liabilities that the Swiss government wiped out. That brings the checks notes 
to about 14 million coming out of Credit Suisse stakeholders' pockets. So you've been acquired, but for a discount, not a premium. Man, that would suck. Could you imagine thinking you're worth? And I, I think of corporations as thinking of themselves as human. I think Apple is a human being. They pay taxes like a human being. To me, they're a living human being. Can you imagine losing that much value? I would not come home if I lost $14 billion in value when I thought I was worth $17 billion. My spouse would pop me in the head. She'd go, get back out there and get to work. Since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, depositors have moved about $500 billion out of smaller, seemingly riskier banks and into money market funds at larger banks. So who are the winners of Silicon Valley Bank's demise? I can tell you it's not Nike. My opinion is it's the big banks, the Bank of America, the Morgan Stanley's, the Goldman Sachs. In large part because people are taking their regional money bank and putting it into larger banks. There's actually winners when there's losers. Creative destruction. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. New video going up with Adam Phillips this morning on current market conditions at YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. Subscribe today. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm going to be starting a newsletter soon. One of the things that I want to make it about, and I've thought about this, is I don't really necessarily want to like show you that I'm terribly funny. I don't want to show you that I'm terribly clever. Um, I don't want to repeat, you know, things that you already know. Like, hey, Meta has got this metaverse problem where it's spending a lot of money. What I'll extract from Meta is Mark Zuckerberg cut jobs in the first quarter and his stock was up 25%. I will give it to you. Like, And then the final line is going to be something along the lines of job cuts equal stock gains. I want to give you something to see and to learn and maybe to pass on to your children. Uh, again, there's no golden rule. I can't say stock cuts equal job uh job cuts equal stock gains every single time. I can't say it's a guarantee. I'll guarantee it. Can't do that. Um, housing is starting to come down. Oh, by the way, the, you can sign up for the newsletter at robblackshow.com. Just play around that, that site and you'll find it. Home price is cool in the month of January. This is actually, I think, a really nice story, all things considered. We saw last year was a tough year on growth stocks. It was an okay year on value stocks. The okay year on value stocks showed you that, yes, in the last 10 years, growth stocks have thumped value stocks. But in the last 10 years, value stocks really have never fallen apart like growth stocks did. You get higher highs, but you also get lower lows. And in retirement, you can't really do the lower lows in large part because you need to have your portfolio working for you. And when you're drawing it down, it can't be in an inefficiently down market. Well, it can be. It's just you're going to be sadly surprised what that does to your rate of returns and your income. Sam Bankman-Fried paid over $40 million to bribe at least one Chinese official. Department of Justice alleges in a new indictment. Uh, he's someone I wish would go away. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and here's where the world gets a little bit sexist. 
Elizabeth Holmes, her court trial dragged on and on and on. And she was in the news and like, you're like fraud. She ripped off people like people didn't deserve that. And she was lying. And, you know, she obviously had a power and ego, but she was easy on the eye. Sam Bankman Freed is not easy on the eyes. And he goes and he's bribing Chinese officials. And you're just like, oh, get this off the news. Get him into jail already. I don't know. I studied criminal justice for like one day in college or I took one class. And one of the classes that we had to take was something along the lines of the punishment system. You know, back in the day when we used to cut off people's heads in the town square and that tried to deter crime. I'm not saying let's cut off Sam Bankman Freed's head in town, in town square, but let's not drag him slowly, slowly through the media so that Rob loses his mind slowly. Hundred-year-old sisters have, share four tips for staying mentally sharp. I'm like, ah, nope, not going to open that one. Home prices cooled in January, up only three point eight percent nationally. Okay, let's go back to the sisters. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. Now I'm going to talk about it. Do you know what I see? in a hundred-year-old sister shared four tips of staying mentally sharp. I don't want to live to a hundred years old. They worked, they connected with family, they learned new things. They don't just watch television and they appreciate each other. Now, here's my opinion. They also both lost husbands 20 years ago. Women live longer than men. I see it time and again and again and again. Now, I know someone's going to send me an email later today saying, well, my wife, my wife's dead and I'm out living her. And like, you're wrong. You can't say that. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But living to 100 on Social Security checks alone, no way. Not saying that you want, you know, extra money so you can go to the club, the gentleman's club, and throw down $1 bills. I'm rich. You don't need making it rain kind of money when you're 100 years old. But also, I wanted, like I saw, I've seen way too many people 75 years old just curl up in like, uh, In, in front of a TV, maybe in a trailer, and it's a lovely trailer, and I'm not judging trailers, but I want to have some financial freedom as I age. Now, living to 100 to me doesn't even sound attractive, but you still have to pay your bills, or they will cut off your heat, even to an 100-year-old woman who's got a sister who's 100 years old. Home prices cool in the month of January. Listen to this. Now, again, we want this. And I even saw rent prices cool. So I want to say some of the things the Fed wants are coming down, but they come down very slowly. Second lesson of the day. Inflation goes up very, very fast, but it comes down very, very slow. So if 2022 is the year of inflation, we got to be patient. Or maybe 2021 was inflation. 2022 was higher interest rates to fight inflation and start seeing inflation finally break. And maybe 2023 will be the year it drops back down to where we want it, but it'll probably be more like 2024 because our lesson of the day is inflation goes up way faster than it comes down. We are now 15 months into a bear market, in my opinion. I know technically we've bounced off the bear market bottom. We're 15 months into a sideways. Sideways is not necessarily down, but sideways is not necessarily up either. We're in a digestive period on the market, and 15 months doesn't feel like a long time. While we're living it, it feels like hell. 
15 months could become 18 months, 18 months could become 21 months. And then suddenly you're like, I give up. It's made me insane. So you pull your money out of the market and the market rallies that single day. Patrick O'Hare is on vacation this week. And I sent him a note. I'm like, you know, something's going to break in the stock market while you're gone. Don't even bring your phone. So home prices are falling in January. Seattle down 5.1%. San Francisco down 7.6%. Portland, Oregon down one half of 1%. Phoenix was flat. Now, some areas that continue to defy gravity, and I know you're saying, please don't sing the song from Wicked. Please don't sing the song from Wicked. I won't. Indina Menzel, I, I hate you. You sing catchy songs. Miami price is up 13.8%. Fine gravity. Tampa Bay up 10.5%. Atlanta up 8.4%. Home buyers are seeing more flexible sellers this spring, but there's also fewer homes for sale. A lot of people feel that they're trapped in their mortgage because it's so low. I love it until I want to sell and I'm like, well, I'm going to have to buy one more home. Wait, wait, what? Mortgage is 6%? That's crazy. I'm loving my two and a half to three percent mortgages. I'm like, ah, this is relaxing. One minute. But when it comes time to sell, it's gonna be a little bit more stressful because I'm gonna have to replace that low cost mortgage with a higher cost mortgage. Home prices continue to soften across the United States. Prices in some cities change more dramatically than others. Fewer homes are up for sale. There is a Black Knight report today. It's the Case Schiller report, but there's a Black Knight real estate report highlighting January data show that prices increased on a month over month basis in parts of the Midwest and Northeastern regions. Greatest declines were in Austin, San Francisco, and Seattle. Median existing home sold for 363000 in February. That's two tenths percent lower than last year. First year-over-year decline since 2012. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. I really like to deconstruct things because it's, it's the opposite of puzzle making. I can see the big picture and I like to deconstruct it backwards. And right now, March Madness is in full swing. And uh, just to show you how my mind wanders at times, last night I was watching Sports Center and I was watching the women's final eight become the final four. And there's some women who are like six foot seven, six foot eight. I was, in my head, I was like, I'm not ever going to date ever again, but I wonder what it'd be like to date a six foot eight tall woman who's stunningly beautiful, incredibly athletic and, and academically strong. Like that's intimidating. Like that's an Amazon from my childhood. Shows you how times have changed. Right. But with all respect, I was watching uh, women's basketball last night and uh, just going through the process of what am I going to talk about today? Let's talk about the NCAA March madness tournament, which starts with 68 teams in the men's NCAA tournament, determining the best team in the sport last season. It was Kansas, but who's going to walk away with the trophy this year. It's going to be kind of a no name university. Maybe UConn is the best name out of the remaining names or the strongest name. When you look at the NCAAs and I, what I saw was 14 city event. I see that it dominates sports and television a lot like the World Cup does over a three to four week period. It's huge in media, marketing, broadcasting, ticket sales, gambling. 
Billions of dollars are changing hands. In 2010, CBS Sports and Turner Broadcasting signed a $10.8 billion deal with the NCAA to broadcast the men's basketball tournament for 14 years. In 2016, remember, that deal doesn't end until 2024. The same parties agreed to an eight-year extension that's now going to run through 2032 at $8.8 billion. Wow. That's a lot of money. March Madness is the NCAA's bread and butter, which there's a lot of controversy. NCAA is in theory, a nonprofit, but yet there's a lot of money there. There seems to be a lot of rich people taking planes from, as NCAA representatives. The NCAA championship for men's basketball brings in 90% of the total revenue that flows into the association back out to schools. That number hasn't wavered much in the past few years. TV rights are worth the cost. CBS has held March Madness tournament broadcast rights since it first spent $48 million to acquire them in 1982. And year after year, CBS has, has said, yep, we'll renew. Yep, we'll renew. A 30-second ad cost a few hundred thousand dollars in the early rounds, with the same length of spot being sold between 2.2 to 2.3 million for the upcoming Final Four. In all, CBS and Warner Brothers will bring in more than $1 billion in revenue. It's a ratings winner this year. Um, more viewers equals more money for the future. The last-minute shots, the nail-biter finishes, the bracket intrigue. I won my bracket one year, then I retired because I knew I would never win it again. So I'm a retired champion, and that's what I tell my children. It's like when I beat them in a game of basketball. I'm like, I'm retired. I'm going out on top. In all, 1,051 players on 68 teams compete. 157 of them come from 49 countries, four unincorporated territories. It's a big national world event. Ten years ago, it was just 78 players that came from outside the United States. Now it's over 1,051 there's 17 premium advertisers. Who do you think sponsors the NCAA? I'm going to give you a second in your head to see some of them flash before your eyes. Capital One. Yes. If you had Coca-Cola on your quiz card. Yes. AT&T. Uh-huh. In fact, AT&T does the halftime show. They spent $66 million in 2022 on sponsoring the halftime show. And you're like, is that Lily? Is that Lily from AT&T? Uh, she's a fascinating uh, study. About 60% of the in-game spots will go towards the premium advertisers. That's why you see such so much uh, Charles Barkley in the Capital One spots. Charles Barkley, he and uh, Michael Jordan have a feud? Like, who knew? Winning is wildly profitable for the schools. The NCAA distributes much of its March Madness profits to Division I sports conferences. The organization expects to dish out more than $170 million to conferences from Basketball Performance Fund. The money is shipped to the conference, which then allocates the money to its members. 
in theory, it helps improve quality of education at the schools. The pandemic was wildly costly. They called off the tournament, resulting in a $702 million loss in revenue from television marketing rates. But the spreading of the coronavirus was declared a pandemic in March of 2020. Talking about super spreader events, right? College kids. And here's here, and I hate to say this, my favorite part of collegiate sports is watching a team lose a big game because the fans start crying or you see a sad cheerleader cry. And I know you're saying misery loves company, Rob. You must be a miserable man. Maybe I am. Host cities make millions and millions of dollars. New York is the smallest of eight cities to host a first round game this year in Albany. City leaders were expecting an economic impact of three and a half million dollars. In Houston, which is hosting its fourth final four, it could bring in more than, you know, multiple times that. Uh, to the tune of $250 million in economic benefit from people flying down. They have to see the game. Ticket sales, food, restaurants, airplane fees, like it adds up. The American Gaming Association projected this year that 56 million people would fill out brackets. In the last few years, we've seen an expansion of legalized betting in the United States. The Gaming Association said brackets are just a small part of the $15.5 billion expected to be wagered. 31 million American adults would at least place a retail sportsbook bet on a game this year. $31 million with either doing it legally or through a bookie. That's, I'm not going to say that's given me like an aneurysm. Aneurysm is not funny. It matters. No laughing. No joke. No joke, folks. No joke. Mismatches are a way for gamblers to win big. Let me give you an example. Um, Virginia got upset in the first round. One $800 bet came out for a $16,800 payoff. A $100 bet paid off $2,500. Number 16 seed, Fairleigh Dickinson, upset number one Purdue this year. The Action Network reported that its biggest upset of all time with a point spread considered and one better who put down 33000 in the underdog walked away with $495,000. Some companies suffer billions of dollars in lost productivity. If I'm the boss, I'm shutting off uh, the internet streaming of CBS games. I'm making sure no one can go to Yahoo or ESPN Sports or whatever site you're going to to get updates. I'm locking it all down in the in the corporate website because I can't have my employees like eyeball basketball games and bond with each other and, and share a chemistry as they develop team. No, we must put the screws in and, and get every ounce of productivity out of everyone. So lost wages versus morale. Coaches do okay. Listen to this. Listen to this crazy statistic. In 43 out of 50 states in the United States, in state jobs, it's either a football or a basketball coach who is the highest paid state employee. Isn't that nuts? You look at all the state jobs and you're like, who's going to be the highest one on our payroll? 
Bill Self, John Calipari, both participants in this year's tournament are the highest paid public employees in their state. In 43 out of 50 states, college coaches, either football or basketball, are the highest paid public employees. So there you go. It's the NCAA by the numbers. This year, we've seen a nice increase in advertising revenues, 22%. That's $457 million in national TV advertising on four networks. Nielsen shows that for the first two days of the tournament, Thursday and Friday, the men's college basketball tournament posted its best ever for all games on CBS, TNT, TBS, and True TV at $9.2 million. That is pretty nuts, that first two days when there's 16 games a day. Again, one of the things I am very lucky to say is in the past few years, getting to work in television for 20 years, uh, I've gotten to go in the control booth. Uh, I've gotten to do live parades and uh, World Series parades. And I literally I'm like a, a cord puller. I'm like nothing. But being in a TV booth during something live, sporting events especially, it's pretty spectacular. One minute. So the NCAA basketball games, I know your bracket's been busted. I do say this uh, with a lot of respect. It is, it is nice on occasion to just stop and enjoy. So maybe the tournament will have a nice finish. That's what we'd all be hopeful for. There's money in everything. I see it. You see it. The, the sooner you see it, the better you get at this. And I think, you know, the final lesson of the day here is something along the lines of streaming sports is, is profitable. And that's what Netflix has to figure out for them to stream a comedy show with Chris Rock. Step in the right direction. Who's going to get the Super Bowl one day? Will it be Amazon or Apple? Wouldn't surprise me. Who's getting all the rights packages for sports right now? Amazon and Apple. I see where this is going. Google. You find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. One of the top questions I get is, do I have enough to retire? It's a worry associated with retirement planning. Making sure that you have enough money tucked away. And I'm not talking about in a mattress. Some people might aim to save $1 million. That was my very crude first rough number. Do you remember yours? My thought, and this is how stupid I was or naive or, you know, silly. Was it a million dollars? You pay me $40,000 a year until the day I die. I'd still have a million dollars just in case I had to dip into it in the final few years. I didn't really think about Social Security. I didn't think about Medicare costs. I wanted to retire before I was 40 because I saw my dad work till the day he died. So I wanted to have a million before I was 35. I hit that number. I did not retire. But I'm glad I did it because I added to that number through the years. Some people want to aim to have 1 million saved or even 2 million for the future. Your goal might be save as little as five hundred to six hundred thousand. But how long does six hundred thousand dollars last in retirement? Is it possible to retire with six hundred thousand? I don't think it really is unless you're in a very low cost state with no bills and you live a very low cost lifestyle. Think about every ten years in retirement, 
if you spend $40,000, that's going to be $400,000. So you're going to run out of money in 12 to 15 years on $600,000. So first things first, you can't clearly retire at 62 with 600,000. So maybe you could at 70, depending on longevity, depending on total savings and income, depending on estimated retirement budget. But do you retire early? Do you retire a little later? Putting it off can can add many years to your retirement if you let it compound in the stock market. Ultimately, I know this is very bottom line, the earlier you retire, the longer your retirement savings have to last. Especially if you have a longer life expectancy and the type of lifestyle you choose can influence how far 600000 will go in retirement. Things like inflation and market volatility can also affect your overall retirement outcomes. Health can play a part. Oh, boy. That's one that very few people look at. Got an email yesterday from a man who wants to retire at 52. I'm like, you know, you, you've got like 10 years till you start taking Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid. And uh, that's a big cost. So retiring at 62, it could be your goal. You plan to downsize your home, maybe. Live a minimalist lifestyle and supplement your retirement savings with a pension plan, annuity, or social security. Then maybe 600000 is enough. I can't imagine anything less than 600000 While Social Security benefits can provide income, taking those benefits at 62 reduce the amount that you receive that you could have made more at 65 and even more at 66, even more at 67, even more at 68. So the longer you wait to retire, the more in Social Security benefits you get. And it's substantial. An extra 8% a year after 65 is pretty attractive, especially if, you're, if you've done well and worked many hours and qualified for Social Security. How long will 600000 last in retirement? Again, if we go with that old 4% rule, which I don't think we should make any automatic rules, but let's play with that number. A retiree who expects to spend 30 years in retirement should be able to safely withdraw 4% of their savings annually without running out of money. So if you apply that to a real-life example, say you're 62 with 600,000, you withdraw 4% each year. That starts with a $24,000 withdrawal in year one. Your money earns 5% while inflation stays at 2.9 historical levels. Based on those numbers, 600,000 be enough to last you 30 years in retirement. In fact, by age 92, you'd still have over $116,000 left. You've been living off $24,000 a year plus Social Security or annuities or pensions. Now, assume that inflation increases to 4% instead of 2.9%. You'd run out of money at age 90. Wow. Social Security benefits can begin as early as 62, but you'll get a much lower payout. So if you're retiring with 600000 taking benefits earlier could make sense if you're worried about running out of money based on your anticipated life expectancy. My father died at 58. My mother made it to her mid-80s. So 
am I going to skew towards my mother? Am I going to skew towards my father? Well, my father smoked and my father went to, to uh, war. So he's probably exposed to chemicals and everything, right? Is the assumption. I don't know. Am I allowed to make that statement without having any proof? I think I am. A traditional IRA can offer tax deductible contributions with taxes on earnings deferred until you retire. A Roth IRA offers no deductions, but qualified withdrawals are tax free. That's part of my retirement strategy. I've got some of my retirement income in potential income in Roths and some 401ks and others in 401ks and some monies in regular accounts. The Roth is going to be interesting because I've got a lovely spouse who she wants to do things like get an RV and travel the country. Now, that sounds like hell to me. Hell on wheels. I'm not talking about a train. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the wild, wild west. I'm talking about life with a spouse on the road. I'm also just not a big fan of big vehicles. Every now and then you're cruising down the highway and you see an RV in the middle of the lane and it's been in a crash and their clothes are everywhere. I'm like, that doesn't look like I would survive that. They just look like big, big tin cans. Anyhow, um, I think anytime you get over 500,000, you're over 55, it's time to hire a CFP to run these scenarios and tell you if you can retire or not. Yesterday, I responded to an email with a man who has $1.2 million, and I told him, nope, I really don't think you can retire at 52. Um, And yet, I'm not going to say that he's going to try. I hope he doesn't. It's in my head of be careful. Because I I see people try and I think it's it's, I'm not going to say it's bad. Um, But don't be afraid to drop me an email. Rob, R-O-B at robblack.com. It was Tom yesterday. He said, here's my situation. 1.2 million in my fidelity account. 7% stocks, 30% money market. I'll get an annuity at $24,000. See, the annuity at $24,000, that's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. But he wants to retire at 52, and I'm like, yeah. That's a tough one to undo. That's also another thing to consider is once you leave the workforce. Like, when I leave the workforce of financial media, I'm gone. I might reappear as, like, a post office worker or work for the state and go, like, count bees up in the mountains or something. But I'm not getting into a high paying career uh, where people expect a lot from me. I'd much rather spend my last few years in the workforce doing something chill. Getting out in nature. Something like that. So keep in mind when people draw me emails, I don't know if you have a spouse. I don't know if you have income, assets, liabilities, risk, suitability. I don't know if you get greedy when others are fearful or if you get fearful when others are greedy. I don't know your long-term goals. I don't know if you have kids that you're going to have to put through college. I don't know if you have an inheritance coming. So 52 to me feels like a little bit too early. Again, if he says, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I'm going to go live in Panama where the cost of living is half what it is in the United States. I'm like, well, that sounds easier. But if it's, you know, I'm going to live in California, I'm just going to cut my expenses. I don't know if you've done that budget. So I always err on the side of caution. I also got an email yesterday, rob at robblackshow.com. 
from a great, great email, John, John H in this case. And he wanted me to talk about zero coupon treasuries for tax deferred accounts. And I chose to tell him I would love to. I think they're very interesting tools, but I think they're meant more for savvy investors, maybe professional investors because of their sensitivity to interest rates. Zero coupon treasuries have incredibly high interest rate risk. Treasury zeros fall significantly if the Fed raises interest rates. They also have no interest payments to cushion a fall. It's a tool that I don't want you to know about. When you need to know, you should, you'd be working with a CFP or you'd be working with a financial professional, in my opinion. It's complicated. It's, it's not costly. But it, I've seen costly mistakes from people betting the wrong way. When I say bet, thinking I'm going to protect myself this way, I'm not saying like gambling, but being overly confident in their knowledge of a product that they that is very complicated. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm posting a, a Rob Black video right now to Rob Black Show where I talked with a CFP and CFA um, about current market conditions in the stock market from EP Wealth. It's Adam Phillips. He's on my YouTube channel right now. Brand new update, robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.